Welcome in, everybody, to episode 12 of season 4 of On Air with Aaron. You know, I find it funny doing the seasons thing. Like, that was kind of an unintentional thing. I just kind of felt like putting in the, the season numbers when I first started in the podcast. The reason why I had the seasons um, was because, you know, like when I was in school doing it for the radio, I would take like a couple month long break. So I said, oh, well, I'll start the second season, and it kind of just became a thing. Though I don't know if I'm going to do, like, a season five. I might just, like, stop with the season thing and then just do, like, episode how many ever. Uh, but I didn't even make an announcement for the 10th episode and hitting the double digits for this season. Uh, so I wanted to say, yay, <laughs> we hit double digits. Uh, but regardless, I don't know how long this season is going to go on. The semester is about to end uh, with the campus radio. Uh, so probably we'll end if I'm going to end like the seasons, probably on episode 14 or 15. So we're nearing the end of this, uh, proverbial arc. Um, but we, we've covered some, uh, some pretty good stuff. I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving if you do celebrate it. And I hope you are ready for the upcoming holidays. This is my favorite time of the year. I mean, there's a song called most wonderful time of the year for a reason. And I'm definitely a big fan of it. I recently did a sort of benefit concert, I guess you could call it, that my grandpa puts on every year in our hometown a Christmas show. So that was a lot of fun, getting into the Christmas spirit a little bit early. Uh, and it was, it was a really good show. Um, but enough of the festivities. Let's get back into the, the thick of things by talking about some absolutely atrocious anime. I think I brought this up a couple episodes ago, um, but... Something to be looking forward to in the near future is a lot of my friends are going to be coming home for the holidays, and uh, I think I'm going to subject some of them to some uh, to some atrocious anime. <laughs> so be on the lookout for for sort of a special episode where I sit down and watch one of them with my friends, and then we talk about it afterwards. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. But the next anime we are going to be talking about today is one called Gibby8. Gib I, I don't know how it's pronounced. So similar to the Pupa episode where I just called it Pupa at the start because I didn't know how it was pronounced. I'm assuming that I'm just pronouncing this one wrong. So pl please do bear with me. Any of you uh, Gibby8 fans, all two of them apparently, um... You can you can fry me in the comments. However, actually, uh, I made of might have made a gross misunderestimation. Is that even a word? That that was a lot of. Anyway, uh, because the last one we covered was Ninja Collection, which had fourteen thousand members, which was quite a bit. But this one has fifty nine thousand members. That's a lot. Uh, and I think on this second page of myanimelist.com, it's the uh, it's the biggest anime, I guess you could call it, the one with the most members, because a lot of them have like you know a thousand, a couple hundred. Uh, but then there's there's another that has like ten thousand, and Tesla Note seventeen, uh, Ninja Collection with fourteen thousand. So yeah, there's there's quite a bit of people that are uh, partaking in reviewing this anime. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because the last time we had a lot was Pupa. Uh, which that, I think, still has the most members, which is like 160-something thousand, which was insane. Because some people really liked that series for some some unknown reason. Um, but we'll see if uh, if I join the crew of enjoying Jibia. But before we can make any of those assumptions, we got to take a look at the synopsis here. So let's, uh, let's, let's wait for the site to load, and then we are going to check out the synopsis for, for Jibia. Oh, jeez. Wow, this... Hold on. Is this... Is this made by the same the same studio that did that did Berserk? 
kind it kind of looks like it. I've never actually seen Berserk, but I don't know some of the some of the the pictures kind of look like it. A- anyway, so <clears throat> Jibby synopsis: The story takes place in Japan. Wow, that's a that's a first. The year is 2030, and Earth has been completely overrun by a viral disease named Jibia. Okay, great. This is just like pupa. Uh, that turns infected people into various different monsters based on their age, sex, and race. A samurai and a ninja from the early Edo period travel together through time and arrive in a ruined Japan to aid a professor working on a cure for the virus. Together, they fight countless Gibeah monsters, outlaws, and other fierce foes on their journey to save mankind. Okay. All right. Now I need to address the elephant in the room. I'm very scared of this series. Why did they have to include that they turn into different monsters based on their race? I'm okay. I'm scared. I, I, I have a feeling. I have a feeling one of the reasons why this anime is rated so low. Here are my bold predictions. These are my bold predictions without watching anything of the series. One of the reasons why this is rated so low is because the story itself might be kind of interesting and it might execute itself fine, but it's probably going to have some very sexist or uh, racist depictions. I'm very terrified. I hope they don't because, again, like I said, it's fun to review terrible stuff. It's not fun to review problematic stuff. Uh. Again, I'm probably mispronouncing the 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 Gibia Jibia. I could be completely out in left field. It, it could be Jibia or something. Who knows? Uh, so here's a background that they posted. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to see. Gibia was created by Gibia Project, a global IP development group consisting of inter- internationally renowned Japanese creators such as Yoshitaka Amano from Final Fantasy. Naoki Serizawa from Biohazard and Resident Evil, Yuzo Koshiro, composer of YS and ActRaiser, Yoshida Brothers, world-renowned... What the heck is that word? Uh, Shamisenist? I don't know what that word is. Shamisenist group. And Sugizo, guitarist from Lunacy and X-Japan. What? Okay, this is... Um, this has this looks like it has really high production value. That means okay. <sighs> well, I now I now see why this has so many members on myanimelist.com. Um, yeah, fourteen thousand people have reviewed it, and it's got a three point eight one out of ten. So this is this is this is pretty bad. Um, I'm I'm scared. What am I getting myself into? Oh great, this is a full length. Uh, why couldn't this be a short form? I want to watch it all. Dang it. Okay, yeah. So this is 24 minutes per episode. Uh, it's rated R, 17 plus for violence and profanity. So uh, if you're younger than the age of 17 and uh, your parents might walk in the door, then I would suggest turning this off. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this finished pretty recently. Finished in September 30th, 2020. Uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm excited to go and start this. I'm using excited very tentatively. Let's just hope that it's not as problematic as I'm thinking it is. Uh, But with that being said, I will leave you on that fun, positive note, and I'm going to go watch myself some Jibby 8. Let's hope I pronounce that right. And with that, I have returned after consuming three 
whole episodes of Jibby 8. I have to say, I am pretty proud of myself. I did get the pronunciation correct. They call it Jibia or Jibby 8 throughout the entirety. Um, though, they, they do something weird with the name. So, okay. So, the show is called Jibby 8. The virus that spreads is called the Jibia. And in the description on Verve, where I was able to watch this, they call them Jibier. I don't know. There's a bunch of different names, but Jibby is the one that they use the most in the show. So if I refer to it, uh, most of the time I will be saying Jibia. So just just bear that in mind. And if I'd say Jibia, I mean, I guess you're going to have to use context clues to see if I'm talking about the show or the monsters in there. But uh, yeah, so... GBA was an anime. Yeah, okay, so full disclosure, when I watched the first episode, I was kind of like, you know, this kind of is interesting a little bit, you know, interesting for being as bad as it's rated. You know, this has some potential to be something interesting. Uh, but then the rest of the episodes played out and oh my god, it is it's stupid. It's, it's, it's really, really stupid. And the thing that sucks about it possibly the most is that it is so stupid, but you can tell there was a pretty high production value with this because the only thing that would, uh, that would beg the thought that this has a low production value is the, uh, the CG and 3d on the, uh, the Jibia monsters. That's it. Cause like the character designs and animation are consistent. There's a couple times where the, like the lip flapping with the dubbing is is just bad. Um, speaking of dubbing, it said on Verve that there was a sub and a dub available, so I was gonna watch the dub just to see. Hey, this is the first time we're able to watch a dub, but it wasn't available. It said every episode was just subtitled, so I don't know where I'm actually able to find it if there even is a dub. Um, regardless, though, uh, the the Japanese dubbing. The lip flaps were kind of off sometimes, which just felt a little bit jarring. Um, but overall, you can tell the production was was pretty uh, pretty well put through, minus the monsters, because the character models they looked odd sometimes, but they were consistent. The art style was consistent, and I actually quite liked the art style of this series. Um, the environments looked pretty good. The music was really good. Um, yeah, all of that production stuff d definitely had some uh, had some praise, which I mean is to be expected from the people that we uh, that we named off in the first half talking about the show. Uh, so before I get into the episode discussion, uh, let, let me talk a little bit about the show and things that are prevalent. First off, I am so happy that they didn't really take into account what I was worried about with the whole, like, oh, they turn into different Jibia based on their race, sex, all that stuff, and turn them into, like, a trope or a stereotype. I'm really happy they didn't. In fact, I'm going to assume... That translation is just like a mistranslation. Because on the Verve site for episode one, it says, A pandemic called Jibiate, which transforms all, regardless of age, sex, or race, into monsters. Known as Jibier. So, you know, we see the, the, the weird thing. Um, but 
So it says on there that it turns them all regardless of their race. And we do see that play in because there's not anything that would make you think, oh, well, that's clearly a woman or that's clearly a white guy. You know, there's not anything like that. So I'm happy to say that my uh, <laughs> my my worries were put to the side, uh, but unfortunately new worries were put in because God, this show just did some dumb things. This show feels like it's supposed to be a satire or like a, a spoof or an insult to the apocalyptic time-traveling idea, whether together or separate, yet it feels that it takes itself too seriously. <laughs> like, you know, if, if you spoof something... That's one thing, and that's totally fine, and that can be done really well. Yet, you shouldn't take yourself seriously, but this show does. It's very jarring. Like, I say it's a satire because the plot is just ridiculous. Like, if you're going to have time travel, it has to play into, like, the overall theme of the story. It doesn't in Gibiate. It doesn't at all. Like, the fact that they are time travelers is nothing more than just an opportunity to make funny jokes like, oh, ha, ha, you're using this phrase. That's outdated by 300 years. We don't say that now. There's no reason for them to actually time travel. And I don't know, maybe they'll explain it in the later episodes, which I'm not going to watch. But still, it's a, it's a very, very interesting thing they've done. So yeah, I guess let's just get into the episode. Let's, let's just talk about each episode. So starting off with episode one. We open up with this woman. Her name's Kathleen, and uh, she's I think she said she was 18 years old, like fresh out of high school, but she didn't graduate high school. It's very important to remember that she is a high school dropout, um, and she's recording herself talking about the Jibia pandemic, talking about how you know people thought it was a military conspiracy, there was mass hysteria, and the world was basically just in shambles. There was, there was no coming back. Yet she, her goal is to find a way to create a vaccine to save humanity. Which if you're thinking you're like, "Huh. She's a high school dropout and she wants to she wants to develop a world-saving vaccine." We're going to run into some issues with that. <laughs> um yeah, the opening scene honestly, I think the opening scene was actually a really good opening uh, setting for the show. Though I feel that it's kind of weird why make her a high school dropout? Like there's no reason for her to be. She they could have just said, "Oh, you know, I was a college student that was taking classes in like, you know, chemistry or biology or something to give it a little bit more credence as to how she would be able to develop a vaccine." Um so, yeah, it was weird. I I'm assuming that they only went with that because it's like, it's an excuse as to why she would make stupid decisions in the future episodes, I guess. I don't know. Um, but but I do like the touch about how some people thought it was a military uh, conspiracy because, um, you know, uh, yeah, it seems very crazy. I don't think anyone would ever believe that uh, that a virus was created in a conspiracy sort of way. I don't think anyone would believe that. Yeah, sounds very very familiar. Anyway, uh, so we uh, we we see some of the monsters. These are uh, these jibia, and oh my god, they are ugly. Now I will have to say that I have stated on this podcast, and I still do hold this that three D and CG is completely fine to use, um, even if it doesn't look good. If it's supposed to represent something otherworldly. And in this case, I do have to say, 
the CG and the 3D did not really bother me that much. It was still ugly, and it could have been a little bit more polished and still felt otherworldly, but it didn't bother me as much as it bothers some other people, primarily because the humans all were in a consistent design. Like, the art style, a weird way to compare it is, imagine JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and Berserk met The Walking Dead. That's what this show reminds me of. Weird analogy, you'll see what I mean later on. <clears throat> so then, now we flash to our samurai friend, or friends, rather. Uh, they're like, they're in a boat, just traveling in the ocean, it's pouring down rain, and, and our main guy, Sensui, is inside the boat with his friend, uh, Kenroku. And they're having, like, some conversation, and then, boom, there's a storm, and this big wave engulfs them, whatnot, and, uh, and then... Yeah, they get uh, <laughs> they get yeeted into the future, into the future in which uh, in which Kathleen is in. I guess I should mention that I think I said it. It's 2030. That's when the show takes place primarily. Is in 2030 in Tokyo. Now it's stated that these dudes came from the Edo period of Japan, which I had to look that up because I'm not too familiar with like the the, the periods in Japanese history. Uh, but the Edo period said on Google that it was between 1603 and 1867, meaning these dudes have been transported anywhere between 200 and 400 years into the future. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> and that also becomes a very important thing to remember in the future episodes. So, anywho... Both Sensui and Kenroku are transported in, like, the same place uh, in Japan in the future. So they're walking around, and they're like, what is going on? You know, they call us skyscrapers, they call them castles, because they wouldn't know what a skyscraper is. They said, oh, this is a, this is a castle, what is this? So they're walking around, and they, uh, they encounter one of the Jibia. And it was stated that, uh, that Sensui was, like, this master swordsman. They, they call him something that's like the... The, the man of a thousand or something like that. I, I don't know. Um, they call him something. You know, he's a really good swordsman, but he doesn't have a sword with him. So he's like, he's trying to fight this Jibia just like with the with a pipe and the pipe breaks. And he's just like, oh, shoot, I'm screwed. And Kenroku's just like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to stand here and, and like act as a, a decoy or something. But then Kenroku just like flash steps away. I, I, yeah, you're as lost as I was. He just, like, is standing there and does, like, the smirk, and then just, we see him, like, in a in a holographic state, almost, and then he just, I don't even, he just flash steps. He's like, ah, ha, ha, you know, you're not that fast. It's like, okay, he has this ability, I, I guess, that wasn't really explained. It said that you were samurai, but not superheroes. <laughs> Alright, whatever. Um, so then the two are about to get attacked more, and then Kathleen comes and saves the day. They call it a taser, though it's clear it's not a taser. It's more of like a like a stun gun, you know, the one that you have the, see the police with that, like, shoot out the little, uh, I don't know, mini, like, suction plunger things that are supposed to shock you. It's more akin to that, but, like, more futuristic. I saw a bunch of people complaining about this in the comments of the uh, of Verve. And I was like, I don't really care. I mean, it takes place in 2030. I can only assume that they developed some crazy wire stun gun thing. It didn't really bother me. But so she stuns the thing, and then she, like, takes some of its blood with this vial, uh, and then she says, we need to go. So they dip, uh, and they get into this car driven by a guy named uh, Maeda, I believe, and they go and drive away. 
and while they're in there, they're having a discussion, and somehow uh, Kathleen and Maeda like pinpoint that they're from the Edo period, which I don't know. My again, my Japanese history isn't the most polished, but I'm pretty sure the samurai existed uh, like for for longer than just the Edo period. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, so it's weird that they pinpointed. Oh, you're from this specific period. With without any leads, and the fact that they knew that they were from a different era it just doesn't make any sense. Like these, these could have just been two cosplayers that were just doing something. Like who knows? Uh, anywho, so they're in the car, they're talking samurai and all, all, all this whatnot. Um, and Kathleen brings them to their camp because, of course, it's an apocalypse. There's a camp, so they bring him there. There's like less than a hundred people, and the best, <laughs> the best scene happens. Kathleen brings uh, both of the samurai, both Sensui and uh, Kenroku, to the mother. And we're expecting them to be like, uh, who are these guys? Uh, you're from the past? You time traveled? What? Uh, Kathleen, <laughs> did you find the local tweakers? No, that's not exactly what happens at all. In fact, Kathleen shows them to the mom and says, oh yeah, they're time traveling samurai from the Edo period, you know, almost 300 years ago. Yeah, that's them. And the mother's just like, oh, okay, well, it's nice to meet you. We'll have to talk about the Edo period sometime. And then Kathleen explains the reason why the mom doesn't even second guess it is because she can't tell humans and Jibia apart because she's so mentally broken. <laughs> Which is like, there's another scene that play, that plays with that better, in my opinion. But, like, what? Like, I mean, okay, me personally, a little, little science experiment. If I wasn't able to discern, like, I don't know, dogs from cats, I wouldn't automatically just be like, oh, yeah, that cat came from 3,000 years in the past? Yeah, that's totally fine. But they could be a dog, and I have no idea. Like, that's not how it works. It uh, being mentally broken, they could have just said that. It's like, she's so mentally broken and she just doesn't know what to believe anymore. It's like, you know what? Okay, that's fine. That works better. But uh, another character that Kathleen introduces them to is the Doctor. Now, this is where I alleviate some of the uh, complaints that I have about Kathleen being the one to administer and create the vaccine. Is They have this Doctor who's presumably really smart. And he's the one that's primarily working on the vaccine. Uh, Kathleen is more of a, a scavenger, I guess you could say. Like, she goes out and stuns the uh, the Jibia to get their blood to bring it back to the uh, the doctor. She's the one that has the plan and the idea, but he's the one that has the execution. They don't really explicitly state that, but they don't need to. It's really obvious that a high school dropout isn't going to be able to, you know, create an entire vaccine to save humanity. Like, come on, guys. So, anywho... So they bring him back to the to the doctor, and they're talking. And there's some weird things here. <laughs> like <laughs> the doctor's talking to them, and Kathleen's just like, "Oh yeah, we're from the Edo period. We're time traveling samurai." And they're and then uh, the guy's just like, "Yeah, I believe it." And he has like an assistant named Adam there, who Adam's like the only sensible person in this series. And Adam's like, "How am I supposed to believe these dudes are time travelers? That doesn't even make any sense." But the doctor's like, "Oh well, I don't even understand how Jibia exists." Uh, yet, you know, they do, so time traveling isn't off the table. It's like, I feel like those are completely, like, non-comparable, but you do you, King. I guess I guess you know all the things because you're Mr. Science, but whatever. 
Uh, and then the doctor is is talking about giving kind of like a, a lore drop about the Jibia virus. And he was saying that what it does is it infiltrates the body and then like rearranges the DNA to something relative to d- evolution inside of the DNA. Like basically it can pull from your past selves, I guess they explain it really weird. And then they show a picture of examples and there's like some dinosaurs like I don't know. Can 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 chickens get the Jibia virus? Because you know it's it's pretty common knowledge that chickens are like the or like birds or something are the most common ancestors to to the traditional dinosaurs that we know. So it's like it wasn't explained that it was only explained humans. And I don't know. Maybe I missed the day in history class where dinosaurs uh, led to humanity. Like humans are direct descendants from dinosaurs. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I missed that. Maybe I missed that lecture. Very, very possible. But yeah, it's, uh, gosh, it was just very, very weird. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and that's kind of it for episode one. Like, it's, it's just weird. Like, it looked good. Yeah, the episode looked good, and I was kind of interested on what they were doing. So I was like, you know what? I like time travel in media. It's, it's fun. You know, sometimes it's botched. Uh, like how it is here, but it's like if if it falls into the relevancy of what's going on, then you know what? That's fine. Like Steins Gate does time travel incredible because it's like it's the entire theme of the show is like time travel and you know screwing with your mind and stuff. But this one, it's like it's it's The Walking Dead. You know, it's a post-apocalyptic world, and they're trying to find a cure. Why did there need to be time traveling samurai? It's like they had the idea for, like, an apocalyptic series, you know, back in, like, 2007, and they just, like, never put it into the into the planning, and then The Walking Dead became popular, and it's the exact same story, and they're like, well, shoot, we have to have something to be unique. You know what? Let's add time-traveling samurai. Have those been done yet? I don't think so. Who cares? We're doing it. It feels so out of place. Um, so, yeah, that does it for episode one. Uh, we can see that has great potential. And episode two was really where it solidified. Like, if if you didn't think that episode one was bad, there's almost no way to not think episode two was just terrible. Uh, yeah, it's okay. So, the episode opens up. Kathleen uh, is sort of filming um, Sensui because, uh, like, you know, she's just having him introduce himself and, and do all that stuff, which is cool. And then afterwards, she asks him to fight her with a sword. And her reasoning for that is because they have to protect all the people, so she has to test him to make sure that he is strong enough to defeat the Jibia. Okay, I'm fine with this idea. That's completely fine. However, the way that you go about doing that is to build up that Kathleen herself is strong and can handle that, you know? Like... They, they've presented that she's a high school dropout and that she wants to develop a vaccine. That's already a fail. And then they don't explain that she's a good fighter and they have her try to fight someone who is, like, you know, presented as the strongest person in the series to test his strength. Like, what? what? That's, that's so dumb. That's like Superman coming down to Earth and saying, oh, yeah, I'm strong. I'm going to come here to protect you guys. And myself going up to him and be like, hey, you know what? Uh, I gotta test you to see if you're strong enough to, to save humanity because because uh, we need someone strong. It's like, what am I going to do? How am I going to test his strength? Get someone who's an equal? It's so dumb. Um, Like, I wouldn't have a problem with this if they explained, oh yeah, she's a fighter or anything, but it just kind of came out of the blue and it was never introduced that she could fight. It's just weird. 
Like, she could shoot a stun gun, but, I mean, she didn't try to use this in the... It was so weird. So, yeah, of course, he beats her, and it wasn't even anything, like, uh, it wasn't even close or whatnot. And then she's just like, wow, you're so strong. It's like, well, yeah, but, I mean, you also don't know how to use the sword. Like, even if both of you were on the same level, I don't know, he might have been able to beat you. But that wouldn't tell that he's strong. It's stupid. Um, so then she's trying to acclimate them into modern culture. So what she does... <laughs> Is she gives them some new clothes. So, <laughs> so Sensui is just like given a kind of a basic outfit, you know, kind of like a, a samurai ripped thing. It, it's an okay outfit. But, but then Kenroku. So, Kenroku had an incredibly basic design. Um, you know, just like the typical black hair. He had the, the, like the typical samurai robes didn't really have any striking features. But then they just decided to go just, just straight up balls to the wall with this design. <laughs> this one, it was ridiculous. Like, they walk into him in the bathroom, and he now has blue hair, a completely different hairstyle, and he now has just, like, ripped sleeves, uniform. He just looks like a stereotypical crazy ninja that you would see in, like, Hunter Hunter or something. I don't understand why they did, like... The fact is, he said, oh, my head's blue. Why is my head blue? How did he know to use hair dye? Like, what? Like, it's, it's, if they wanted to play it off, again, like, they're spoofing it, like, oh, they're making him a character by giving him, you know, the, the anime character hair. Play more into that. Like, you know, make a fourth wall joke that's just so, like, why Why did they give me blue hair? Why did they Why did they draw me this way? You know, make, make a cheeky joke like that. But it's clear that it's supposed to be in-universe, and it's not supposed to be, like, fourth wall breaking or a parody. So it's taking itself too seriously. And it's just, like, what? Like, they literally made him into a character. It's, oh, it's so weird. It's it's very, very odd. Um, yeah. So, uh, then the mother comes in. They talk about Edo history to find out that, um, that Sensui's original lord was executed and killed way back when, and he's all sad about that. Uh, and then in the camp later on, uh, the lights go out, which they explain that the lights basically keep the the jibia away so it's like the lights are on then you're going to be totally fine from the jibia and you won't you won't you won't get affected or they won't come into your camp or whatever so it's like okay fine uh, but the lights go up and they need to they need to protect the camp so in the first episode maeda the old guy was talking to sensui and sensui's like oh yeah i need a sword and the guy's like oh i have a sword at my house like i'll go grab it it's not too far so maeda grabs the sword and then in episode two he's running back at night as the power is like you know close to going out uh and he runs back and he comes with the sword and is saved by the light in a stupid way uh so he has the sword so now the power has gone out and maeda is trying to find sensui and Sensui sees him, but Maeda gets grabbed by one of the, the flying jibia that are there. So Sensui then just jumps like 50 feet into the air. It wasn't like he was up on a building and then like jumped down and then grabbed the jibia. No, he was on the ground and leapt like 50 feet in the air to, to catch, to grab onto Maeda and grab the sword and defeat the, uh, the jibia that was holding him okay i guess he has superpowers too i guess that if you were a samurai in the in the 1600s you just had superpowers i again i think i missed that moment in history class so he then like goes into this berserk mode uh where he gets these red eyes 
I I just don't I don't know. He and he just he just goes crazy and he just destroys all of the Jibia in his path. Just kind of out of nowhere, but yeah, like he's super strong. And then you know Ken Roku makes a statement like, "Oh well, you're the 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 man of a thousand swords, whatever the heck he's called, some some ridiculous title." Um, I can only assume that these red eyes are going to get elaborated on in the future, but I don't think I'll be able to partake in that. Uh, so the camp gets invaded by all these Jibia, and it was stated that Jibia or people turn into Jibia after getting stabbed and injected with the venom. Uh, after four or five hours, we see people turning into Jibia instantaneously as they're running away from them. Like, just just nothing about it. We see like two or three people in like a passing scene turning into Jibia. Huh? I just I don't get it. It's just they they announced it that in like this episode or the one before. They're breaking. They break so much continuity in this show. It's insane. Um. Yeah, so then uh, Sensui goes into Berserk mode again, um, like, to defeat more Jibia, and Ken Roku does two stupid things in this episode. So, Ken Roku uh, encounters a Jibia, and he has these wires that he uses. Uh, he uses them similarly, weird analogy, to Best Genist in My Hero Academia, where he just, like, shoots them out and is able to, like, you know, tighten them and, and do stuff like that. That's how he uses the wires. So what he does is this Jibia is on the ground, and he he jams a screwdriver into the tree, and then he wraps the wires around the Jibia's neck, like, leaps over a branch, and proceeds to try and hang it with his own strength and force, which is, yeah, that's fine, you know, we, we've seen a lot of uh, people go out that way, but how on earth... Was that screwdriver able screwdriver able to hold up all of that weight? Oh my, yeah, that it was. It just made no sense. But he ends up defeating the Jibia, um, and as Sensui is in his berserk mode to defeat more of them, uh, his sword, the one that that Maeda gave him, begins to get really weak, and it's all dull and it's not cutting through the Jibia. So he's like, "Oh no, I'm screwed." Then Kenroku comes and saves the day by using what? His wires? No, by using literal hand grenades. Oh my god, okay. So, again, keep in mind that uh, Sensui and Kenroku are from the 1600s, or like the 1700s, or something, or the 1800s at the absolute latest. How are they able to use the, the hand grenades? Like, just just doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah, they're a simple device to use, but there was never a scene explaining, like, hey, this is how you use them, and this is how you know that, that you know, they're going to explode after a certain amount of time. They, they never do anything to explain that. It's so dumb. But yeah, so he saves them, uh, and then we're all happy and whatnot, and then Maeda is, is, is dying, so... Uh, Sensui cuts off his head, gives him solace, you know, Kathleen's crying because it was like a grandfather figure to her, we didn't really get to spend any time with him, so I wasn't really emotional, <laughs> I felt bad for Kathleen, but that was about it, but they just kind of play it off, like in the next episode, they say something like, oh, Maeda, she's sad, and that's it, that's all they do, yeah, so that's episode two, uh, so, yeah, I was actually ready to turn this show off after episode two because I was like, I don't want to watch this anymore. <laughs> but I decided to tough it out so I had more to talk about and could give myself the good old the good old classic three episode rule. So, episode three of Jibby Eight. 
Okay, we open up and we see another person just walking in the water somehow. Uh, and presumably, it's another samurai that was transported here from the past. Uh, God. Uh, so then we open up similar to how we did in episode two, where Sensui was talking about his life. Uh, Ken Roku was talking about his life. And he was in love with a girl that... Uh, Kathleen kind of reminds him of, which is weird because the girl has black hair and looks nothing like Kathleen. I don't know. Maybe it was just their mannerisms and the way they talked, but it just felt very weird. Yeah, it, it was, it was just kind of funny. Um, so they're all talking after the, after the, the big battle and they decide to relocate from Tokyo to, uh, Niigata and on the map that they explained, uh, it looked like it was a really, really far, uh, a really far distance. Um, it was kind of weird. Because, like, they showed on the map, they said, oh, we need to go out to the countryside because there's probably, like, more space and, like, less people that will turn into Jibiate. Oh, and there's a research facility in Niigata. It's like, okay, fine, but they show the map. And you know how, like, sometimes they'll do that? Where they'll show in a show, it's like, oh, well, we're here on map, and now we need to go to here on map. And they just, like, map it out, and they show it. <laughs> they show it, and it's literally on there for, like, seven seconds, and they're just, like, showing a trail going all the way from Tokyo to Niigata, which is, like, on the, com it's, it's completely north of it. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm looking at that, trying to relate it to how zoomed out they were. I said, that's got to be at least, like, 40-something miles away, like, or 50 miles away, which you might, might think, oh, that's not that far of a drive, but it's, like, they're in the apocalypse right now, baby. Like, they ain't going far. So I actually just Googled it to see how far Tokyo was from Niigata. And I was totally wrong. It's 336 kilometers away. Which, I need to, I need to look at the, the conversion uh, for that. We gotta look up km to miles. So 336. Okay. 336. That is 208 miles away. <laughs> that is insane. Just for reference, San Francisco is about 100 miles away from Sacramento. Yeah. So that's double the distance. <laughs> that's insane. Like, they, they just say that as like, a, oh, well, that's like a quick little jaunt away. So that just felt very jarring. I don't, I don't know why they did that. But anyway, they need to go there because it's a research facility. Boom. Let's go develop the, the vaccine. Uh, and they go into, like, this other building. I was half paying attention, so I don't remember why they went into there. But they went into this other building uh, where they were, you know, defeating the uh, the Jibia and all that good stuff. And they get to the rooftop. And they notice this man just laying on the ground. It's the, you know, presumed samurai who uh, was transported from the past. He's just, like, laying on the roof. I don't know how the heck he got up there, but but he did. Um, which was, again, just, just, just kind of weird. <laughs> so, they see a jibia there. Now, this thing is funky. This thing is straight-up biblical with how it looks. It's, again, got this, this CG design, which I think the CG looked the best for this because this thing felt completely otherworldly as opposed to the other ones that kind of looked like, you know, spiders and birds and whatnot. This thing looked literally like a, like a biblical angel or something ridiculous. Um, yeah, so it shoots them with like a, like a sonic beam or whatnot, and then the, 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 the new samurai dude, the one who was transported, wakes up, and he's like, oh, 
what is that? Because they, they, they get into a helicopter, like the group. They get into a helicopter that was like on top of the roof and they're about to go over to, to Niigata. But, you know, they're attacked by the by the, the, the the biblical angel. And the dude wakes up. He's like, oh, what is that? What is that flying big metal bird? You know, so obviously, yeah, he, he's from a different time period. He's from, he's from a long ago. And, oh my god, it's so... So... Sensui, like, is, you know, gearing to go and fight. But before that, Kenroku just drops a bunch of grenades. Like, he jumps out of the helicopter and drops a bunch of grenades on these wires. And it does literally nothing to the the Jibia. So then Sensui drops down and tries to kill it and tries to, like, cut its head. But it just does not work. He instantly fails. So, Sensui... Is, is just kind of like holding it off on his own. And they're like, oh, we need to go do something. So they go and fly over to the man. And they do the most ridiculous thing. Like, Ren, uh, I almost said Ren Goku. Uh, Ken Roku, he grabs one of his wires and talks to the, the guy that's on there, like the presumed ancient samurai. And he's like, hey, uh, do this. Help us out. And he's like, I don't know what's going on, but sure. So they toss him down some wire. And the dude is able to just, like, he's able to Captain America this this helicopter. He's holding the wire and keeping it in place while the Jibia has it, like, caught with one of its, like, I don't know, extendo glue fingers or some weird thing. It makes no sense how this was able to happen. But the dude's got God strength. And he's able to do it. He has enough strength to uh, to pull the helicopter and keep it stationary. And they send everyone down. They send uh, they send Kathleen. They send the mom. They send like all the other people that are there down. <clears throat> and then uh, Ken Roku gets into the helicopter, and he's like, "Hey, I know what to do." He proceeds to fly the helicopter towards the Jibia, and he knocks it into the building, and then crashes and explodes. However. He didn't die. He used his wires to grab onto something on the building, and he's like, I'm not going to go out that easily. What? How? First off, first off, uh, explosions ha- have, have a radius. You know, it's not like they, they just they just happen. Like, they, they, they engulf things around them. How did you survive? Who knows? He's, we've already established that he's a superhero of sorts. Um, so the Jibia, I guess, is dead. But uh, more importantly, how can Ken Roku fly a helicopter? This man is straight out of the 1700s who didn't even know what a helicopter is and yet is somehow able to fly it with such precision that he was able to knock the Jibia into this little like center area of the building. And on top of that, he was able to get out fast enough to save himself from dying in the fiery explosion, to suspending himself with wires from the building. It is the most jarring thing I think I've ever seen. It's so, so stupid. Like, plot armor was written about this character. I swear. Like, oh my gosh, it is so dumb. Like, I can understand the grenades, you know, because it's like, oh, hey, you see this? Pull, throw. I can understand that. That's a bit easier to understand. But flying a helicopter like i i was born in the in the 20th century i don't think i could fly a helicopter on a whim i might be able to you know keep it in the air and not fall but i couldn't i couldn't like fly with precision to hit something jeez 
Ah, it's ridiculous. It's so, so ridiculous. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, happy days. They 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 get the, the new samurai dude, and they explain his name. I, f- I forget what it was, but he's a monk from a period that's older than the Edo period. He's from, like, the 1500s. It's just like, oh, my God, why, why are all these people getting transported? Like, what's next? Are we going to have Genghis Khan here? Jeez. I, I just, I don't know. They're just transporting everyone here. Uh, so they're sitting in there talking, and he's just like, oh, yeah, I was a part of, like, this war and whatnot that was going on. I had a master, and he says Buddha a couple times. And, yeah, the doctor comes in and informs them that the uh, the Jibia they fought was called a Meteora, I think. Like, Meteor plus A. All right. I'm assuming that's going to have more relevance in the future. They're like the, 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 the legendary Pokemon of the Jibia universe, I suppose. I don't know. Um, and throughout this series... I always thought the doctor was a little bit sus. Dr. Yoshinaga. He seemed a little bit sus. Because he's the only doctor that was there developing the vaccine. He could have absolutely been doing it for his own gain. He could have been doing it for like an underhanded reason. He could betray them. He could do anything. Like, I I was a bit worried. I didn't know. Um, And they kind of play on this at the end of the episode. So, uh, Brian, who was this marine guy that they met at, at the group... um. Brian got, he, he got poked. He, he got poked by a Jibia. So he's like, oh no, he's going to die. So Dr. Yoshinaga brings him into his like study and puts them on, hips him on the table. And he's like, oh, okay, well, you're, you're going to feel some pain. And he injects him with something. He says, oh, the painkillers will, uh, will like move into your body soon. So it's like, okay. You know, he, he injected him with painkillers. However, like right after that, uh, Brian starts turning into a Jibia. And then the last scene of the episode is, uh, is like Brian in Jibia form attacking the doctor and the doctor looks shocked. He's like, what? And then the episode ends. So I don't know if that was just supposed to be like, you know, trying to get the audience to be surprised or, or whatnot, or trying to get like Brian's form to be surprised. I don't, I don't know, but like. If the doctor is sus and and he intentionally like sped up the process of turning um of turning Brian into a jibia, then like why would he need to act surprised? Why did he not have countermeasures available? And it just it just felt really weird. Or he was trying to do it to turn him in, and then act surprised because like oh I didn't expect it to happen so soon or like running tests or whatnot. It just it felt like the typical oh yeah I'm the scientist that's gonna help people yet I have like ideas of crazy things that I want to do because. You know, I want to learn more about this thing. You know what I mean? Like like, like Hanji in Attack on Titan. She does some crazy things because she wants to learn about Titans. But, like, I don't know. It just felt very, very weird. The Doctor I'm very suspicious about. I have no idea, like, what happens later on in the series. I'm only going to assume that it doesn't play out. Also... One fun thing about this series is that this is tagged for mature audiences, uh, 17 plus for violence and profanity. I don't think they ever swear in the three episodes I watched and there's not really any violence. Like, yeah, it's just kind of weird. There's not really any violence, which is, which is just, which is just weird. So, so I I don't, I, I don't really know. Um, but, but yeah, so I just, I, I don't know. They, it's, it felt that they were trying to do something with this series that hadn't been done before. Like, oh, we're going to go post-apocalyptic, but we're going to have a time traveler. Like, yeah, but why are they from so far in the past? You know what I mean? 
Like, it would make more sense. You know, it would make sense if Kathleen, at the very beginning when she was doing, like, the introduction about the virus or whatnot, living in 2030, would be the time traveler going back in time to try to prevent the virus from starting. Like, yeah, that's been done before. You know, the, oh, going back in time to try to prevent something bad from happening. Like, that's not unique, but it works. Why are these completely irrelevant samurai being transported 400 years into the future to, to deal with something they have no idea what it is? Like, I just, I, I don't, I don't understand it. It's kind of like, you know, there's, there's a typical, like, uh, explanation of why isekai are so popular where it's like, oh, it's, it's an easy format where it's like, you know, you can get away with doing world building at the same time as character building because the characters don't know what's going on and neither does the audience, you know, oh, it's perfect, you know, they're learning uh, along with the audience. But it feels that they were trying to do it with this, but at least in isekai, I'm a firm hater in isekai, but like, at least it makes sense. It's like, oh, they're transported into a new world, so you need to explain the world to them as well as the audience. It's like they're doing that here, but it does not fit whatsoever. Like, I just don't get it. I do not understand like what they were trying to do. Again, they probably are going to explain it in the later episodes, like why specifically these samurai were summoned. But so far, so far in the series, uh, they, they have absolutely done nothing with and i mean absolutely nothing like they, they it's 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 just weird it is uh it is it is very much weird like i wish that i could say that it did some uh that it did some fun interesting things but it uh but it really didn't um however one thing that i will have to say is that it is very very obvious that there was some heavy heavy inspiration from the walking dead like I mean, if you think about it, it's about post-apocalyptic, okay? That's, I mean, that's that's been done before. A virus, they're trying to go and find the cure. They're trying to go to a research facility in the first season that seems pretty far away. Uh, even if we're getting more niche, uh, we, we have a blonde girl that's traveling with an old man, and the old man dies, now, of course, in The Walking Dead, spoiler alert, I guess, you know, Dale, the old man, is traveling with Andrea, the blonde-haired woman, and Dale dies. How does Dale die? Because he gets bitten. He gets turned. Which, it's very common to do in these, but like, oh my gosh. And, if it didn't convince you that this was heavily inspired by The Walking Dead, if you take a look at the main poster of the show, which has a picture of, of like, the, the characters and whatnot, there is a dude, I'm pretty sure it's, it's the monk guy, he, the way that he's standing and the way that he's dressed, he looks like he's got the Negan bat. <laughs> he looks like he's got Lucille. It's it's so funny. It, 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 it's clear that there was some inspiration, like from The Walking Dead. And honestly, if the if the main series creators had never even seen or heard of The Walking Dead, I would actually be very surprised because there are some there are some clear pseudo inspirations here. Um, yeah, the only other thing is that the main character doesn't really seem to have a motive at all. Like Kathleen, yeah, she has a motive. But, uh, but, but, but good old berserk, uh, Sensui does not have any motivation whatsoever. Like, there's no reason for him to be here fighting. Like, it's the, haha, you know, I don't know what to do. And then they just, they don't do anything with him. It's, I don't, I don't understand, like, why, why they were, what they were trying to do with this series. 
And I'm sad because it, it did look pretty good, but I will not be returning to this series uh, anytime soon. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that I dropped this series. Uh, we're we're gonna put it as a two. And that we watch we watch three episodes. Yeah, I think this does deserve a two. The only reason why it's not a one is because, hey, at least the show looked good. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was just very weird. It felt like a satire, but with no humor and no actual commentary <laughs> on like uh, what it's trying to satirize. It just felt very, very out of place. So now let's go and check up on uh, on what we are going to be watching next. So the next series we are going to be watching is one called Maho Shoujo Naria Girls. I don't know exactly how that second part's pronounced because there's a, there's a literal star emote in the middle. So I don't know if it's supposed to be like Naria Star Girls or just Naria Girls. Or maybe you're just supposed to add a little bit of sparkle when you say Naria Girls. I don't know. It's probably something like that. Um, that one's not much better than than uh, GB8. GB8 is a 3.81. Uh, this one is a, a 3.83, uh, both out of 10. Uh, where where GB8 had 59,000 members, this one has 7,000. So it's uh, you know less popular. This one, I'm not sure if I'm gonna watch this one by myself or if I'm gonna try to do it with a, or we're gonna try to do it with a friend. We're we're gonna have to see, but um. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> we got some good stuff coming up, I suppose. Uh, gosh, I'm just, I'm just terrified. Yeah, GB8 was, uh, was, was a little bit of a, a letdown. I will have to say, bit of a letdown of a series. Uh, I, I, I do hope, because I did have hope when I was watching the first episode. I was like, this might actually be pretty good. But no, I was just goofy. It just, like, the premise itself was goofy. Like, oh, time-traveling samurai coming to help with a virus that they probably don't care anything about. Like, why would they care anything about it? Like, they're transported to the future from the past. It's not like if they get transported back, it'll save their timeline. It doesn't make any sense. There's no stakes. Like, why, why are these guys here? It's stupid. It's dumb. Um, but it, at least it looked good. Yeah, I, I wish that they would have done something different. But, hey, who knows? Whatever. Uh, but with that being said, that is going to conclude this week's episode of On Air with Aaron, where we talked about Jibby 8. I don't really have much more to say about this series, to be completely honest. This series just was uh, was was kind of poo. I think that's the best way to say it. Uh, but thank you for stopping by. Uh, come check me out on all of my other forms of social media. You can come check me out at YouTube at Argon Games. Plan to make some more content over there. Uh, I, I do live streams. I do uh, I do some YouTube videos. I got some stuff planned for, for videos in the future. Obviously, some streams coming up soon. So be on the lookout for that. It, it, should, uh, it should be fun. Uh, and obviously, all of my, my podcast sites at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere that you can play a podcast, um, it, that's where you can listen to me. So wherever you're listening uh, from, there is a site because I, I upload through Anchor and there's, it says like my main source is other. So I don't know where people are listening to podcasts like elsewhere. I don't really know where else because I thought that was just the main ones. Uh, but, but who knows? Um, thank you all for listening, <laughs> by the way. Uh, yeah. And also you can follow my Instagram page at on air with air on just, just like no spaces altogether. Um, cause I upload whenever I post a show, like I upload like a little snippet and then say, Hey, go click the link in my bio. So you can get notified when I, uh, when I upload a post there, 
Um, but that's all I have to say. Thank you for listening to this just very fun, terrible anime. Yeah, it was something. Uh, but join me back next week when I do talk about another terrible anime. I cannot wait to talk about the Naria Girls, and I hope you can't either. But thank you all for stopping by, and have a good rest of your day. <laughs>